1: I am so sick of so-called Republicans going to D.C. to sell us out. The Democrats really tricked you fools into believing you should sign a border bill that codifies illegal immigration and pass that off as an accomplishment? Are you freaking kidding me? Hold the line. The show starts now. The only border deal actual conservatives should consider is full funding for the border wall and a closed border. Until a mass deportation of the $10 plus Biden let in are removed, our border should be airtight. The Democrats have moved the goalposts once again. First, they're making us believe we need a border bill to secure our border. We don't. Trump did it himself, working closely with Border Patrol and ICE, of course. But second, Democrats are only doing this to throw Joe Biden a lifeline on immigration. P.S. We shouldn't be sending another flipping dollar to corrupt Ukraine. But more on this disastrous border deal in a moment, but first. Joe Biden won the South Carolina Democratic primary. Gavin Newsom is still running his shadow pick me campaign. And I give neither of those snakes any credit. And apparently others feel the same.
2: A lot of my friends are obviously my age, so we're a little younger. We've only voted once, you know, for actually for a president and Trump is kind of all we know. And they're kind of Trump and Biden. They're like, well, we were broke with Biden we weren't with trump and that's kind of the only thing that i'm hearing over and over again over and over again is that well trump we had money well okay i hear you guys but personally i morally i couldn't see myself
1: broke with biden sounds like a much more honest slogan for joe more honest than bidenomics or build back better i still fancy let's go brandon myself but i digress Say what you want about Donald Trump, but he has a base. He has supporters who genuinely and wholeheartedly believe in him. Joe does not. He has donors who want a 13th year of Obama and others who just hate Trump and that's it. Still, over the weekend, Joe won South Carolina's Democratic primary with over 96% of the vote. Coming in a very distant second was Cuckoo Bird Marianne Williamson with just over 2% of the vote. And last but not least, at a whopping 1.7% was my next guest, Minnesota Congressman Dean Phillips. And while he is trailing Sleepy Joe by light years, he has vowed to stay in the race. But I got to give him a lot of credit because while the rest of his party is too scared, skittish and lazy to challenge Joe, he stood up and answered the call that literally 70 percent of Americans agree with. And he joins me now. Congressman Dean Phillips and candidate Dean Phillips, thank you so much for joining me.
2: Hey, thanks for the invitation. I'm grateful.
1: So I appreciate you coming on and talking to somebody who's obviously a conservative or Republican, a Trump supporter. And I want to get to your challenge of Joe Biden and Donald Trump. But first, I have to talk to you about this border bill. Um, I feel idiotic even calling it a border bill. Um, more of a Ukraine border bill would be a more apt title. But you got to give me your initial thoughts. Do you think this is really some kind of a bipartisan victory for our broken immigration system?
2: Well, first of all, I can just start with what you said earlier, which is, you know, I I love America and I love Americans and I'm so disgusted with how we find ourselves right now disrespecting one another. I went to a MAGA rally just uh, two weeks ago in New Hampshire, met 50 uh, Trump supporters in the cold waiting in line, had 50 amazing conversations, friendly, thoughtful, encouraging, respectful, you know, that's who we are. If we simply give each other some space and place to get to know each other. And I just want to make that really clear to whoever's watching and listening. You know, if you are a person of principle, I don't care about your politics. And I just want to thank you for having me on on, on that count. As for the border bill, look at I, national security and sovereignty is the first and foremost priority or should be of every American president. The failure of our southern border. Uh, Is toxic, it's dangerous, it is inexcusable, and it's been going on for decades. It's a failure of Democrats and Republicans. Absolutely, Donald Trump deserves credit for drawing attention to something that nobody was willing to talk about. So now the solution. This border bill, you ask, you know, it's bipartisan. Well, bipartisan is good when a lot of people on both sides of the aisle participate. When you have people there for the takeoff, they're going to be there for the landing. And I've been to the southern border twice to see with my own eyes. It is sickening and how in the world we do not recognize the human crisis, uh, the national security crisis, and now a constitutional crisis, when the executive of this country should be focusing on that every single day, because we're spending $866 billion a year through our Pentagon for national defense, and we're letting thousands of people come across the border. Now, these thousands of people, I would argue, are just like our foremothers and forefathers. They want to come to America for the same reason they did, Give their families a chance, opportunity, security, freedom, liberty, all the things that we love. So it's not about them. It's about us. And we have to raise the bar for illegal immigration and lower the bar for real legal immigration. It takes 10 years for people of education and ideas and capital to come to this country and become Americans. But let me get to the root of the problem. Yes, we need barriers. Yes, we need technology at the border. Yes, we need more more border patrol agents. And we need to redesign our POEs, which are our ports of entry. They're archaic and completely incompatible with what we need. We need a uh, border, a buffer zone border on the Mexican side of the border. And we need to do that fast. But it's really our it's, it's our immigration asylum law that is the root of this problem. We force the people who wish to declare asylum to come across our border. And how do they do it? They have to pay a Mexican cartel $10,000 each. They literally save their whole lives for this journey. Mm -hmm. They give them the money. By the way, a $13 billion industry for our enemies, the Mexican cartels. They dump them across the Rio Grande. They're processed by border patrol agents. And our law basically right now says they just dump them in the streets of El Paso. They have no money left in their pockets. They gave it to the Mexican cartel. They They don't speak the language often. They can't legally work. And then now they're being put on buses to Chicago, New York, other cities, where there are no dollars or resources to take care of them. It's well, they're nonsense. Be, they're All being given do-
1: dollars and resources. Uh, that's cases- that's part of the problem. When they go to New York City, you know now there's a new program to hand out prepaid little debit cards to the illegal immigrants so you know that's part of the problem here is is the magnet the enticement of people to come across the border who um nine out of ten fail their asylum claim but by the time they actually get their day in court to appear they're long down the road yeah they're long gone they've had kids already and they're not going to be removed
2: So what you just hit the nail on the head and that's it. We have a magnet. We have an incentive. So here's how you change it. It's so darn easy. And this is what I've been telling people we got to do for some time. Change the asylum law so that we require the filing of your asylum case in your country of origin. Go to your local U.S. embassy or consulate, file your claim. We'll adjudicate it locally where we actually have people who know if it's legitimate or not. And then if you qualify, we will bring you to America. And you will have your own $10,000 that you didn't have to give to the cartel to start your lives here legally and with the resources to do it on your own, not with federal or local help. That's all we have to do. And then that's why I say raise the bar for illegal, lower it a little bit for uh, legal immigration and do what every American wants, Democrats and Republicans. So there you have it. I'm appalled. I think this bill, I'm still reading through it. I'll confess. So I don't, I've not looked at every angle of it, but it is a, uh, it's a Band-Aid. Uh, It's not comprehensive enough. And the fact of the matter is because of politics, nobody wants to solve the problem. And we have a disincentive in Washington to actually solve problems. You know why? Because those who solve problems lose their next elections. And unless you're willing to give up your career in Congress, like I have, to do something bold and frankly courageous, you're going to lose your job. And I wish I had more colleagues, Democrats and Republicans willing to do the same damn thing.
1: Well, I agree with you on that, and I appreciate your approach to the border. You know, this bill does, you know, in some part try to change asylum policy somewhat to do some of the things that you mentioned, but there's still a big sticking point for border hawks like myself, and that's that 5,000 a day uh, cutoff that, oh, if we get more than 5,000 averaged over seven days, then we'll shut down the border, but not the ports of entry. And then once, you know, that goes down, then we'll reopen it again. I mean, really all they're doing in my— opinion, is allowing the cartel to have a a mark that they can meet 1.8 a year, 1.8 million. And then if you want to get in the line to be one of those 5,000 in that seven days, then you got to pay a little more, do a little more. So to me, it's not solving any problems. And I'm very concerned that fellow Republicans who we elected to send to D.C. are going to fall for this. I have no respect for Mitch McConnell and others that would sign on to this. But I have to ask you about the other big part of this that angers a lot of conservatives. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't anger a lot of Republicans in D.C., but that's the $60 billion for Ukraine. Now, a lot of Democrats and Republicans are cheerleading this never-ending war in Ukraine. $60 billion of our dollars once again sent over to Ukraine. Is that a good idea?
2: So I got to tell you, I'm I'm appalled at all of this. And the truth is, if I had been president uh, in the last number of years, I'd like to think we would have prevented all of this because our foreign policy has not achieved what our national security priorities are, which is to reduce war, invest in peace and prosperity here. Why are we spending billions? Like I said earlier, $866 billion a year is going to our Pentagon for national defense. Now, a lot of it really important. But we have kids going to school hungry. We have 25 million Americans who have no health insurance. We have people working three jobs to simply try to put food on the table, which costs 25 percent more than it did a couple of years ago. You know, we have people burdened with tens of thousands of dollars of medical debt, of educational debt. You know, people can't find housing because it's so damn expensive and we haven't produced enough. I mean, it's nonsense. So, yes, I understand people who are really pissed off about all this money going overseas. But then let's get to the real. Let's be pragmatic. It's not what we want. It's not what we wish would have been. It's where we are. And the truth of the matter is, I serve on the Foreign Affairs Committee. I'm the ranking member of the Middle East Subcommittee on Foreign Affairs. And Ukraine specifically, we should have prevented that in 2014 when Putin took Crimea. But we did nothing. He he poked us and now mm-hmm. he did the final measure, which is to invade Ukraine. And it's cost hundreds of thousands of lives, tens of billions of our taxpayer dollars. And now we have a choice. To your point, we could just say that we're done. We can't do this any longer. If we do that though, here's the problem. The entire world of adversaries, the North Koreans, the Iranians, uh, sadly the Chinese, who we've made into an enemy that I don't think we need to, they will be looking at us as a country that once again gave up. We did it in Vietnam, we did it in Iraq, Afghanistan.
1: But is, and is if it you our just war, wait us out? Congressman, is it our well, war? No, no, because that's no, part it's not of the our, problem. Fact- and what I would also ask you is this. Are you confident that Ukraine being one of the most corrupt countries on the face of the earth, maybe behind only Russia, are you confident that the money that we're sending over there and the weapons that we're sending over there, are you confident in the accounting and the accountability for where that money's going? Because that's my biggest thing. If we would have initially sent weapons and money over to help Ukraine in, in the initial days of this war and we could help them win it, Then that would be one thing. But I'm really worried that actors like Zelensky, both figuratively and literally an actor, I'm worried that they're taking us for a ride and they're taking our money. And I'm not confident that it's going to what others say it's going to, what Democrats and Republicans are saying it's going to.
2: I respect your opinion and perspective. And and here's mine I'm worried about also the $6 trillion in annual spending that's going all around our country and world that is subject to the same corruption? And whose pockets is it going in? And do we have accountability? And the answer is oftentimes no. When I'm president, we're gonna assess that with an international consulting firm to assess every program, agency, expenditure, uh, where it's going, how we can save money, outsource it or end it if it's not working, because we have to. But as it relates to Ukraine, of course, it is a corrupt part of the world. It always has been. It just goes to the single issue of national security to me. Do I want to be in this position where we have to decide whether or not to support them? No. We never should have been. Frankly, Europe, European countries should Mm -hmm. be providing the overwhelming majority of support. That is something we should be and can be doing right now. But I'm just telling you, if we give up right now, the message to Putin, the message to Xi, the president to Kim Jong, the message to Kim Jong Un, the message to the Ayatollah, the message to every single adversary in the world is that we just are not a country that has the resolve. And I'm telling you, that is the most dangerous dangerous strategy we could possibly employ so i, I do want to see ukraine i want to see peace is what i want to yeah, see and i'd I rather don't disagree, with I don't yeah. disagree with you
1: i don't disagree with you but when you look at it if you are an enemy an adversary of the united states or even an ally and you look at it and you look at this border bill, and you see 60 billion to Ukraine and 20 billion to secure our own border, to me, that sends the message loud and clear that the United States is open and ready for the taking. Boy, you don't need to You don't need to fight us on foreign soil. You don't need to bomb us. You don't need to attack our World Trade Center. You can just come in through our southern border and we care more about Ukraine and sending our money over there than we care about our own border. So the disparity there bothers me. But I want to ask you about another part of this. And that's the what's so-called humanitarian aid to the Palestinians. Now, nobody wants to see innocent people be slaughtered. It's an unfortunate part of war that we wish wasn't a part of war. But my concern is we're funding both sides of this because when you send money to the Palestinians, it uh, magically goes into the hands of Hamas and other terror proxies. That's why Donald Trump and his presidency cut that off. Do you have any concerns that sending more money to the Palestinian effort, that that's actually going to be used for Hamas and terrorism? So we're funding both sides of this, funding Israel and then funding the people fighting Israel.
2: I hear you. And and, and the way you portray it, it, it begs the question for any reasonable person to assess. And And here's my belief. I want to be a president of peace. That doesn't mean it's always achievable. You always need to have a kinetic backup plan. And we always need to have the strongest military in the entire world. But we've done a very poor job of preventing war for generations. And here we go again.
1: Do you think Donald you know, Trump did a war good II, job, though? I mean, well, under hey, President I, Trump, no new wars.
2: No, and, and I'm look, at it, I, I, facts are facts. When Donald Trump was president, there was less war in the world. There's no question. And I totally understand that. I think... The reasons were that people were a little uh frightened of what his reaction might be and i think that might be a benefit sometimes but it's not strategy i will have to say but let me get let me go back to world war ii we dropped america dropped nuclear bombs the only time in human history we dropped nuclear bombs on japan obliterating hundreds of thousands of lives right incinerated tokyo and yet they are now one of our closest allies and dear friends. Why? Because we created the Marshall Plan to invest in the reconstruction of a country that we believed long term would benefit our interests if we became a friend rather than a foe. I would apply the same lens now to the Middle East uh, and any country in which people ultimately want self-determination and freedom. We should Do look they, at ways though, to look at Marshall Plan.
1: Do they, though?
2: Well, nice because
1: Japan, Absolutely. Germany... Very, very different than the countries of the Middle East, too. I'm not saying this. They're saying it. Death to Israel, death to America. They want to kill Christians. They want to kill Jews. So when you hear that, when you hear the young people, the Palestinian young people from birth being raised to hate Jews, hate Christians, hate Americans, I worry that this rebuilding effort is not the same like something like Japan, because I worry that the doctrine they subscribe to is not one of maybe self-determination, but one of— religious ideology in which they will put that first and foremost over maybe even their own benefit because that is what they Mm -hmm. were raised to believe. And it's unfortunate, but it happens to be in large part the reality.
2: Yeah. And I get it. And, and there, you know, we can, we all have, we have two tools, carrots and sticks. To me, the carrot is this, if you wish to have the chance to have something to protect if you want to protect your children you want them to have a future you want your own land you want self-determination you want freedom if you want those things here are the terms the only terms in which the free world will invest in those opportunities keep you safe and secure and give you prosperity the same thing i want for israel and by the way I value deeply the state of Israel. I'm a Jewish man. I care deeply. It's the only Jewish majority nation in the world. They're our friend. They're the only free, freedom-loving people in the Middle East, the only democracy. And by the way, uh, Arab Israelis, Muslim Israelis are treated better in the state of Israel than any country in the entire region. Let's get that clear and out of the way. But, you know, we're all humans. And we all know that if you have nothing to protect, you will act in a way that we, who have something to protect, is deemed unreasonable. That's what we're seeing from people all around the world when they are oppressed, denied freedom. And That's true in Iran. It's true in North Korea. It's true in Palestine, the Palestinian territories of Gaza and the West Bank. I'm not saying it's the perfect, perfect solution. What I'm saying, though, is the status quo is only resulting in less security for Israel. This was not an issue of David's Sling or Iron Dome protecting Israel. This was pickup trucks. Off the shelf drones and Mm -hmm. hang gliders that slaughtered 1,400 Israelis. And the fact of the matter is, I don't see a future that is going to be safe and secure for Israel unless you have people surrounding you who have freedom, self determination, and something to protect. That means Lebanon, that means Syria, that also means the Palestinian territories and other parts of the region. Now, many of our allies in that region do not want to see self determination because it's a threat to their own kingdoms, right? That's where I think we have to work with the free countries in Europe and around the world who recognize that the only way we will be safe and secure, the only way Israel will be safe and secure is if we ensure that those around them have something to lose. Right now, they live lives where nothing to lose. And I think that's the way that we can actually have a conservative conversation with maybe more progressive principles that could actually find a lot of common ground here. Because I hear you and I feel the same way in general, but I think the tactics have to change.
1: Well, I agree that they need to have something to lose, but it should be, we're going to turn your country to glass. That's my personal opinion. But I want to turn now to the race. I give you a lot of credit for taking on Joe Biden. Um, Not many are willing to do that, even though that's what your party desperately wants. Poll after poll show us that your party does not want Joe Biden. But yet the Democratic uh, Party itself is still supporting Joe. DNC still supporting Joe Mm -hmm. Biden. And uh, I would also ask your opinion on uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom, because unlike you, he has not thrown his hat in the ring, but rather, in my opinion, is running a shadow campaign with the hopes of doing something possibly at the convention. What are your thoughts on Gavin Newsom, his strategy, and if you think he is running, in fact, a shadow campaign?
2: Well, let me let me talk about the two parties. You know, my, my background is business. Uh, helped build, owned Belvedere Vodka, one of the co-owners, built into one of the most successful luxury vodka brands in the world. Entered the ice cream business with Talenti Gelato, my partners and I. Uh, created the... Uh, The premium ice cream category in America, taking on two big brands, Ben & Jerry's and Haagen-Dazs. I'm a business person, and I like taking on duopolies, uh, creating disruption in industries that need a competitor. Uh, No industry I've ever seen needs more disruption right now than politics. The Democratic and Republican parties are not serving our interests. They're serving their own interests, protecting their own privilege, prestige, and proximity to power. That's just the way the game works. So I'm someone who is not rewarded by that. I don't care about it. I do not want to be in Washington for 50 years like so many of my colleagues. I want to serve our country and fix this. I lost my dad in Vietnam. He was a soldier who died defending our country. The least someone like I can do, who's been very fortunate and worked his tail off, is to try to bring this country together and celebrate differences. And When I'm in the White House, by the way, I'm gonna have a bipartisan cabinet. I'm gonna have Democrats, Republicans, and Independents and Libertarians around me. To understand perspective to opine on policy solutions i'm going to engage my friends on both sides of the aisle in both the house and senate the parties are the problem i wasn't going to be quiet shush up get in line and do what my party said i'm going to do what the country needs to your point, point seventy percent don't want trump or biden and that's why i'm doing this as for gavin newsom gretchen whitmer vice president harris uh, jb pritzker you name the list of people yes they should have entered the race i called on them to enter the race because in america the only way democracy survives is with competition. Right now, it's a coronation. The Democratic National Committee simply wants to coronate the man who's the incumbent, because in politics, that's just what you do. Uh, uh-uh. I'm sick of it. And all of you watching right now who are sick of the business as usual, parties that are not looking out for you, but looking out for their own interests, you're looking for people who are willing to give up their career in Washington, as I have, to be a disruptor, to invite conservatives to the conversation, celebrate progressives as well, and stop this nonsense you know, look, you got to take a D train or an R train to Washington. That's what Trump had to do. That's what I'm doing. That's what others do. Uh, That does not make us ideologically pure. I'm a center left, center right American. I see ideas on both sides. And I'm really tired of the lack of courage and the abundance of cowardice amongst the people who are entrusted to lead our great country and the entire free world. That's Democrats and Republicans. And at the end of the day, if all you care about is self preservation, winning your next election, the easiest way to do so is to do nothing.
1: Right. To well, do nothing. I agree with you on that point. I also want to ask you. Because it seems to be the Democrat message here really isn't Joe Biden is doing a great job. Joe Biden is mentally competent. Mm -hmm. The message really is mega Republicans and Trump, existential threat to democracy. I know that you said you've met with Trump supporters, which I loved, by the way, talking to those at a Trump rally saying these are my fellow Americans. I love all of that. And I agree with you. And we need more of that. But do you think that if you have the two, which is the matchup that a lot of people don't want, as you mentioned, Joe Biden and Donald Trump? Which one of those gentlemen is more of a threat to our country and our prosperity and our self-determination, Joe Biden or Donald Trump? Now, I know that you're going to say the answer to both, but the Democrat narrative right now seems to be cannot let Trump win at any cost. That's why you must vote for Joe.
2: Well, let me answer it this way. First of all, the country doesn't want either of these men, 70 percent. You know, Donald Trump. Look, at I, I love Republicans. They're my fellow Americans, my, my dear friends in Congress, many of them Trump supporters, the people I saw in New Hampshire, many of you watching right now. I have no reason not to love you unless you are a person who lacks principle and, and are not a patriot. That's the truth. I do find deeply troubling characteristics of Donald Trump that I do not think are in our country's best interest. That's true. But here's the here's the truth. January 6th, call it what you will, a riot, a mob, an insurrection. The fact of the matter is the objective was to prevent the counting of ballots. That's what the whole thing was about. The president didn't do anything to end it while it was happening, but at the end of the day, it was about pre- preventing the counting of ballots. My party, the Democratic Party right now, is preventing the printing of ballots in Florida, North Carolina. They tried in Massachusetts, but the Secretary of State intervened. They tried in Wisconsin. I filed suit, and the Supreme Court in Wisconsin two days ago overturned the Democratic Party's Uh, initiative and had to enforce them to place me on the ballot. So I'm getting what I'm getting to is this. The Democratic Party is preventing the printing of ballots. They're preventing Democratic voters from even voting on those ballots in primary elections. And the Republican, well, at least Donald Trump, inspired uh, a riot and insurrection, a mob to prevent the counting of ballots. My contention is this. Both parties are flawed. Both parties are not protecting the principles of democracy. And I think it's time that the truth be exposed. We shed light on it and engage thoughtful conservatives, principled conservatives, and principled progressives to end the nonsense, turn the page from both of these men and go to a brighter future. My concerns about Biden are more about his ability to even survive another term.
1: <laughs> well, that's fair. Let
2: alone thrive. That's my concern fair. About Donald Trump, my concern about Donald Trump is, look, some of his policies were good, but the fact of the matter is my experience is I see a man who lacks empathy. And if you lack empathy as a leader and only see th- things through the lens of how it affects you, You cannot effectively lead the United States of America in a way that abides by our core principles and does what I think we need more than ever, which is to repair by including everybody. Neither of these men have made efforts to repair the massive division that exists in this country, and that is exactly what I intend to do, and I intend to honor it with integrity, respect, and decency, and strength.
1: Well, I appreciate everything that you've said. I think you're much more conservative than maybe even you let on. I think you're more of a conservative than Nikki Haley, if I'm being real honest and frank with you. But I appreciate what you said. You know, I appreciate your tenacity and your relentless pursuit and and sticking in and sticking by your principles and fighting the good fight. Many are not willing to even fight that fight, not even willing to come from behind the shadows and take on Joe Biden, take on the DNC, take on what I believe is the swamp of the deep state. So I give you a lot of credit for that. I thank you so much for coming on my show and speaking to conservatives and Trump supporters. It means a lot to us. And we wish you the best of luck. We really do. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Well thank you and I hope you'll be and I hope you'll be in touch and I just make the final appeal to everybody watching. You know We have a choice here. It's a crossroads. You know, what kind of country do we want to be? Uh, I think we can do it differently and celebrate true principled conservatism and true principled progressivism. We've got the far right and the far left right now that are making that awfully hard. I'm here to represent the overwhelming, exhausted majority of Americans, center right, center left. Everyone's got good ideas. Let's end the nonsense, come together. And most of all, thank you for the invitation, because we need more invitation and less confrontation. So I appreciate it a lot.
1: Well, I agree with you on that, and thank you again for doing it. Not many Democrats will. So a lot of credit goes to you. God bless you, and thank you so much for taking the time with us today.
2: God bless you, too, and God bless America. Thanks Absolutely. so
1: much. Absolutely. All right, folks, 50 Cent, Elon Musk, Bill Maher, Michael Rappaport. Could they be, perhaps, closeted conservatives? It's time for Final Thoughts. Last Friday in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, a little ground rat amassed a larger following than any Joe Biden rally ever to date. But more importantly, he did not see his shadow, meaning it will be in early spring. I'm sure the climate change tree-hugging green hairs are already planning to off the groundhog for contributing to global warming. But speaking of liberals and speaking of things that are seemingly never-ending, in case you were wondering, our border is, in fact, still wide open and open It will remain until we get a president in office that gives a rat's ass or even a groundhog about our country. In 2016, Donald Trump won on the issue of immigration, and he can do it again. This could be the issue that thrusts us into the age of enlightenment, and some reassuring signs of just that are emerging right and left. Yes, even left, because over the last week, not one, not two, but three big names, plus Michael Rapoport, signaled they may be done with liberal lunacy, at least in its current and invasion-inducing, seducing form. After New York City announced it would be handing out $53 million worth of free prepaid credit cards to illegals, 50 Cent, one of the greatest rappers of all time, chimed in with this post, saying that perhaps Trump is the answer. But it wasn't just Fiddy. Enter Bill Maher, who absolutely skewered Sleepy Joe for blaming Republicans for the border invasion. Watch.
0: Part two of the acting yeah. is Joe is, is Joe Biden saying, you know what, if you just give me a
2: new law a new law, why doesn't the president can fix this? He already has the existing laws. And border patrol this, this will is also that right silly. To your face. I need a piece of yeah. paper from Congress to deal with the border. No, you already have that.
1: Illegal immigration also triggered the great Elon Musk to go on a multi-post rant about the invasion and the reason for it, one I've been warning about for many years. The Democrats want to pack as many illegals in as possible, even if it pisses off actual Americans, because they're actively importing millions of future voters. That's why all of this is happening. You think Democrats are really that stupid to believe handing out free credit cards, housing, meals, benefits and perks to illegals won't entice more to come? Give me a break. I know it. Elon knows it. You should know it, too. And guess who else knows it? Comedian Michael Rappaport. This is why when I say voting for pig Donald Trump is on the table, voting for pig Donald Trump is on the table. The other day in New York City, six illegal aliens jumped a New York City cop in one finest. They jumped a New York City cop. Cop in Times Square and were arrested and released without bail. I know it's a city thing. I know it's a state thing. I know all that. I know all that. Cadaver Joe Biden, we see you. We see you. Don't worry about those in Israel. BB got them. Israel will take care of them. Worry about cops getting beat up in Times Square and walking out uh, 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 with no bail like the Tupac Shakur. Worry about that. Shit. And interesting programming note for y'all. I have been in communication with Michael Rappaport, and he is open to coming on this very show to discuss. So stay tuned for that. But, folks, illegal immigration will make or break this election and the future of elections, meaning Trump can win if he focuses his campaign on illegal immigration, and also meaning if Trump loses, illegal immigration will make it impossible for a Republican or a sane person to win ever again. We are on the edge of the freaking cliff here, and we have one lifeline, literally one. Hold on tight. Those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care.